pass to Johnson. Johnson still going. And we're back, first potty of the year for 2024 for Surly Talk Sports. She's been a long summer sabbatical, good six or so weeks off, but absolutely fizzing to be back in the mixer for what is set to be another big year. And shout out to the legends at the TAB as well. They've jumped back on as the headline sponsor for Surly Talk Sport this year. So plenty of exciting things coming your way, courtesy of them. If you're not already a customer, make sure you sign yourself up, www.tab.co.nz or download the app. She really is the home of sport and racing punting here in New Zealand. She's been a good break, pretty eventful, off the paddock anyway. Of course, Chrissy Day, New Year's, always great festivities. Actually shot down to a wedding for New Year's night, walked away with a tattoo, a little up the wires as well, so really on brand there. That was some good stuff. Karaka Millions over the weekend, that was good fun too. Unfortunately, the boys didn't quite get paid, but the festivities around it, always good to be in the mixer. Back at Ellerslie as well after a couple of years off so that was some great scenes but I'm ready to rip in there's been so much sport going down over the summer too so plenty of great talking points to rip into on today's show in terms of a bit of a plan for 2024 as well should probably outline that it's just going back to the one pod a week for Surly of course I was running Surly on the Thursday the punting pod on the Friday but this year due to stepping things up with the Warriors and of course with the one take potty then I got George F them the old time constraints they were starting to get quite consuming so instead we're merging it all back into the one Thursday pod so it'll still be the surly you know and love plus then the punting segment on the back end that will of course feature my weekly boosted multis and all that good stuff so never fear myself and the TAB will still be looking after you but plenty to get through on today's show the first one back at the helm so without further ado let's rip into it the old NRL off-season, she's been a busy one, but thankfully for the powers that be, it's more been around player signings and transfers than any of the off-field antics. It appears the boys didn't head to Bali as much as they have in previous years. No big bar fights there. They've been on their best behaviour, and instead, it has been the clubs making some big moves that has really caught the attention of the headlines. The first one I wanted to touch on, and it's probably the biggest talking point for Warriors fans from this off-season, the signing of the Great man, Curdy Cape. Well, a huge deal for us. He comes across effective immediately. Still had one year on his contract at the Broncos. Controversially, they said he probably wasn't in their sights for 2024. They got a couple young throbber second rowers in the mixer. Your Jordan Rickies and Pia Kura, etc. So instead, they decided to tell Curdy Capes he was free to explore his options. And that must be when the man we trust the most, Andrew Webster, got into some of his best work. A huge deal for us. Like I said, a 
effective immediately, which is probably the best part of this whole scenario. He's joined us already, looking every bit the real deal in pre-season and locked in until the end of 2026. What a signing this is, and I love this for a number of reasons, of which I'll run you through them now, give my humble opinion. First one, he's a proven winner. Two championship rings already made it through to the final last year. He's a rep-level player. He's played in Origin nine times, and he has a 70% career-winning record. So he's one of those guys that obviously has some great habits. He's learned off some of the best in the game, and he's also a great leader in terms of when things are going wrong on the paddock. He's going to be another strong voice for our lads. We've already got guys like Tohu, SJ, Adam, Wade, etc. in that kind of leadership core. Adding a Curdy Capewell to that mixer can only be great for our team. On the paddock, he's so versatile as well. He's got that utility role about him. He can play in the second row. He can play in the centres as well at a pinch if we're short. Should he even banged a drop goal last year, a field goal to get the Broncos the win. He's got fast feet. He's strong defensively. And I also really like his offload game. And I think on an edge, he's going to be potent for us in that aspect. He's got that ability to get the old arms free, play a bit of Bluetooth footy, I like to call it. He had 18 offloads last year in that single season for the Bronx compared to a combined 13 that Jackson Ford and Marata Niakore had. So that just goes to show, and it's no knock on those two guys, but Capewell, he can offer us something a bit different. That ability to play second phase footy, which I think the Broncos killed us with in that prelim final. So that is going to be massive for us in helping shape and add a bit more razzle-dazzle to our attack as well. He's a bloody good footballer, seems like a good bloke, already has the respect of the playing group, and I think he's going to have an instant impact for us on that edge. He also adds a bit more balance in the mix. So when you think of that edge now, last year we were pretty dominant going down Dow's side. Now we've got so many strike options across the park with Roger in the centres as well. Extremely exciting times for Warriors fans, and I can't wait to see Curdy Capes trot out onto Go Media Stadium with that Warriors emblem on his left tit unreal scenes. Unfortunately she wasn't all roses for the Warriors in the offseason with Adam Fenor Blake announcing he's heading off to the Sharkies for 2025. Gutted he's leaving us but any fans that think he's going to take it easy this year you need to get your head checked. Of course he came out during the week there was a bit of content on the Warriors Instagram as well saying how determined he is to leave this place with a ring. Unfortunately the lure of Sydney has pulled him back home but he's such a quality footballer. Of course last year's Dally M prop of the year I think he's in for another big shift. Stayed really fit throughout the off-season. Of course, he was playing for Tonga on that tour over there in England. And I think he's going to go great guns again. So hopefully back-to-back -back prop of the year accolades on the way for Big Dinny. And I think he's going to have another massive 2024. He's going to be crucial for us. He was so hard to handle for opposition teams last year. That true enforcer in our pack. So another exciting year. And hopefully we can send Adam off to the Sharkies. Although it breaks our heart, sending him off as a winner would be massive stuff. On that as well, on the propping department, of course, there was rumours that broke last week that Braden Hamlin Uele, the Sharks enforcer, could be heading his way to the Warriors. Rumoured a three-year deal, 700k, which straight away kind of jumps out and sent alarm bells out to Warriors fans saying that perhaps we were probably going to be playing overs. One thing on that that I will remind you of, of course, the salary cap, she's set to increase drastically over the next few years. I think this year alone there's already a 20%-ish increase in play 
player payments. So when you factor that in, come that second, third year of the deal, that could actually be unders for a player like old Braden. Of course, he's a strong footballer, aggressive ball carrier. And for me, I think he's got a real untapped skill set. We haven't quite seen the best of him at the Sharkies. Webby obviously sees something that he really likes in him. Perhaps he can look to hone those skills. He's got great footwork, offloading game. And like I said, he's powerful, man. Whenever I think of Braden, straight away that image that popped into my mind is of him steamrolling Adam Fanua Blake, just running over the top of him. You don't see that happen often. So I think this could be a great signing for us. A lot of people are talking about perhaps our lack of depth in the forward pack. I will say Zion looking crazy and there's some great young talent coming through but I think if we can bring in an experienced footballer like Braden into the mixer, he is Kiwi born of course as well so you get that kind of feel good of bringing a lad back home. I think this could be a great deal for us. Again, it's still just rumours, no doubt plenty of water to go under the bridge but I potentially really like this signing. Perhaps it is maybe a hundred grand more than what you would look to pay for a player like Braden, but still, you got to pay overs to get guys over here, and I think he could be a real asset for us in the years to come. So fingers crossed that deal goes through. You never know, though, in the great game of rugby league. <laughs> Shit, she moves fast. Another name to keep an eye on, too, and I'm just purely speculating here again, but I noticed the other day, the Cowboys, they named dual co-captains, and they're different from last year's ones. Of course, Chatty Townsend and Jason Talmalolo, they were the leaders for for the Cows last year. This year they've ditched them off, gone with old Tommy Dearden and Ruben Cotter. Makes a lot of sense with Chad, but this rings a lot of alarm bells for me with Jason Tamalolo. Chad off contract this year, probably going to head over to the Super League and look to start life outside of the NRL. Tamalolo though, still 30 years old, he's got three more years on that deal that he signed, 10 years, 10 million. Could this be perhaps a sign that the Cowboys could look to move him on in the future? Of course, he played lower minutes in the last couple of years. The Cowboys, they have a stacked pack. Ruben Cotter, Griffin Neem, shit, he's come on in leaps and bounds over the last couple seasons. you got Leilua, Nanai, Hylam Luki, all there in that second row. So plenty of young talent coming through. Maybe they just see the former Dally M winner as being past his best. Me, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back to Mount Smart, of course, six times Cowboys player of the year such a quality footballer he was an Otahu Leopards junior as well I think he could be a real asset for us and perhaps the Cows they could be looking to move him on and pay some of that salary as well which would be an even bigger bonus I think if you can add a Hamlin Uele and a Tamalolo into the mixer for 2025 that certainly helps to offset the loss of someone like Adam we've got a lot of salary cap in the mixer for next year so we probably have the flexibility and the ability to be able to do so again pure speculation be keen to hear your guys thoughts though would you like to see Atamalolo come home and be wearing the Warriors colours in 2025 it's certainly intriguing to me because again he ticks all the boxes second row lock play him in the middle as well a big body possesses every attribute you could ever want so hey just floating that one out there something to keep an eye on in terms of my pre-season thoughts because of course I've been around the Warriors for a couple of weeks now one take 
week it's back if you haven't listened to the first episode make sure you tune in just myself and Monty kind of chopping up everything that's happened Warriors based over the off season but it's been cool to watch a couple of training sessions and here's a few things that really stood out for me the first one the young lad Ali Laotoa jeez does he look unreal where does he fit in this lineup I'm not quite sure does he even make the 17 again we've got so much depth this year it's pretty brutal and that outside backs is where the competition is highest that in the six jersey probably most up in air for me but Ali looks insane he's bulked up a little bit he's strong he's aggressive and he's still got that skill set of doom so perhaps he forces his way into the centers or onto a wing again just thinking out loud here but shit he looked grouse Zion mentioned him before he's a beast and he could be really pushing to wear that 17 jersey for me it's a straight shootout between him the likes of your bunties and then a Tommy Ali there's only room for one in the mixer off the Remu who gets that they might go with experience early doors but I wouldn't be surprised I've penciled Zion in for a debut this year that's for sure mentioned before the battle for the six is hot and I've got to say all three look amazing good to see Lukey Metcalf he's bulked up a little I think he was saying he's put on about six or so kilos started hitting the gym and upping the calories but he's still got that speed and he was deadly for us last year provided that X factor and something a bit different to our attack a strike weapon like no other with his speed so keep an eye on him CHD he's looking great jeez he can push some tin in the gym certainly bulked up still as handsome as ever and he's still got that delicate touch that nice skill set and of the three players battling it out for the six he's probably got the best kicking game as well which could really help complement SJ then you got Timide Martin great to see him fit and healthy and again still as good looking as ever fingers crossed he can stay fit throughout the trials I think that's where who who wears the six jersey round one is going to be decided so watch this space exciting times and again great problems to have for Warriors fans also notice the young Penrith 7 that we grabbed in the off season his name slips my mind right now still young I think he's only 17 or 18 but he's been training with the top 30 boys and he looks sharp just one to keep an eye on for in a couple years time he's already training with the big boys got that nice touch about him he is quite small but that will come with age could be the future SJ replacement so I just wanted to note he's looking as good as ever and Warriors fans keep Keep an eye out for him in those lower grades where he'll look to rip and tear. Could well find himself playing a bit of cup footy. Of course, no Ronald Volkman anymore. So circle him in your rugby league black book but an exciting year for Warriors fans a historic year as well it's the first time in history that we will field five teams across the competitions the SG Ball and the Herald Mats they actually get underway this weekend as well so if you're unfamiliar SG Ball that's your under 19s Herald Mats that's your under 17s they're playing over in Sydney so the lads get to pack their bags get a cheeky little stamp on the passport stay in a hotel no doubt extremely exciting stuff for a couple of these young roosters Sunday over in Sydney taking on the Eels the Herald Mats they kick off at 12 SG Ball at 1.30 not sure if it's being live streamed fingers crossed it is we'll do my best to find out if that is the case but they've been training the house down some of these young bucks they've got a new Pathways gym at Mount Smart as well just over the road so shout out to the club the old factory next door came up for grabs they said we'll take it and they've turned it into a gym for a couple of these young lads to rip and tear so excited to see some of this young 
talent that the club is going to come have out of their doors over the next few years. Of course, it's often been the Warriors' biggest criticism, especially with COVID and what happened. We're losing so much young talent. Open trials, I believe there's about 1,500 kids that chuck their name down. Quite a few of them with a lot of talent too, and we've grabbed some names from rugby, a few of the young boys coming through the grades that were looking sharp from that code. So exciting times for the club. Long may she continue, and hopefully those two squads can kick things off with a big win this weekend. In terms of the other big news stories for this week, and there was one that really jumped out on me. I think it came out Tuesday night, and that was Wayne Bennett, the GOAT. He's officially applied for the Kiwis job. First thing that came to mind for me was surprised that the bloke even had to apply. Secondly, imagine being the poor bloke or lass that had to read his CV. It would take you about a day just to get through his list of achievements. Of course, he holds the record for the most games coached and also the most wins by a first grade coach. He's also coached the most consecutive seasons at a club, 21 years straight with the Broncos. Steered them to 22 finals out of the 25 years in total that he was at the helm and 17 of those he did it consecutively. 1992 to 2008, Uncle Wayne never missed the finals, which is just crazy to think. Of course, he was an advisor for Stephen Kearney as well with the Kiwis when they won the World Cup in 2008, so it wouldn't be his first rodeo. And I think Wayne, he's perfect for a job like this. Obviously, when you get to rep level, it's not so much coaching, more about mentoring and man motivating. And when you think of who ticks the boxes the most out of all the coaches in rugby league for those two departments, Wayne Bennett has to be at the top of your list, of course. Madge, he got us that famous win against the Aussies, set the record, biggest pumping we've ever dished out to them. But now he's gone off to brighter pastures, or so he thinks anyway, with New South Wales. To me, Wayne's the man to do it. His Redcliffe deal also ends at the end of this year. He's keen to coach us through till the 2026 World Cup. Sign him up, and then I reckon you can go Kiwi with your assistance. I've seen a bit of criticism saying if you're going to be the Kiwis coach, you have to be Kiwi. For me, that is not the case. Look at Madge Maguire, case in point right there. But I do agree in having some Kiwi assistance, and maybe someone like Stacey Jones, Warriors Goat, a Benji Marshall, chuck them in the mixer, even a bit of Nathan Kalis. He would be a good name to chuck in as well. Someone like that, maybe two or three of them. That way we're still developing some Kiwi talent, plus your assistant all the coaches that the players turn to for advice and a bit of help as well. Benji and Stacey, that would be great roles for them. Then they can still keep their club roles. And then old Unky Wayne as the head coach. That would be some good shit. So plenty of cover off there for your rugby league this week. Next week I'm going to start ripping into some predictions, some teams that I think recruited the best and start to run through my top eights and where I see the teams falling. The game moves fast though, so by the time we roll around next week, no doubt there'll be plenty more good stuff to chew the fat on and talk all things rugby league. Right, the game of Rugby Union, plenty going on over there too. Speaking of over there, over the ditch, Joey Schmidt, he's been announced as the coach for the Wallabies, which for me, he's the perfect man for the job, of course. Eddie Jones came in, ran amok, burnt the place down and then gapped it off to Japan. But I think Joe Schmidt, he's the man which can unlock so much talent and potential that they have over there in the Wallabies system, of course. Mastermind behind the Irish and how strong they have been over the last few years. You've got to credit Farrell as well for building on top of that. But of course, Schmidt, he's been credited with laying the foundations. Then his impact with the All Blacks, once he came in as an assistant under Fozzie, was massive as well. You hear guys like Mark Talia, Dalton 
Jason Papali'i, when they speak about him, they say he was the mastermind around game planning for opposition teams. They said he could read oppositions better than anyone else. So clearly, extremely talented coach, and fingers crossed he can bring the Wallabies back to somewhat of their former glory because everyone always talks about it. We need Australia and these teams to be as strong as possible to get the best out of All Blacks rugby. Of course, ever since South Africa left, Super Rugby in particular, I think we've noticed that the All Blacks have been a bit more jittery, but if the Wallabies can get back to their old strengths and in doing so boost up their Super Rugby sides, then that could be massive for our rugby here in our country and the quality in which our top side can play it. So fingers crossed, Joey Schmidt can get them back up and playing some good code. Not good enough to win the old Bledisloe Cup, of course, but at least make it competitive. And speaking of Super Rugby across the ditch, noticed as well the Melbourne Rebels. They've been put into administration. They'll play in Super Rugby this year, but their future beyond in 2025 and further than that is in heavy doubt. It looks like they could be going under, which kind of begs the question to me, do Aussie need five Super Rugby teams? Personally, I don't think they do, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but obviously you've got to keep the Reds, the Brumbies, and the Tars. The Brumbies in particular, they've been their most consistent side over the last few years. I actually thought the Force would kind of be the first to go. They dipped out of the comp a couple years ago. Went and played over in Europe, I think it was. Now they're back in. I know their owner, though, has a lot of money, so maybe they're a lot more financially secure than I thought. Melbourne, interesting to note, they made a couple big signings this off-season, and they actually have a pretty handy-looking squad on paper. Got the Tongan Thor, big Taniela Tupo as well. How that worked out, I think they paid a couple million bucks for him, so maybe that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But personally, I don't think a team in Melbourne is 100% required. I'm not sure how strong rugby is in that city either. They love their AFL and rugby league is in the mix too. So I think if the Rebels were to go under, why it wouldn't be great for Australian rugby, I also don't think it would be a catastrophe. It then kind of condenses their talent into those four teams and maybe allows them to invest more into things like grassroots level and structures from underneath because from what I understand, participation at those lower levels and interest has steadily been dropping. They need to fix that. I always say without the roots, there is no tree. you got to build those bottom pillars to make things strong at the top. Maybe this is a sign and something that Aussie rugby can look to turn into a benefit and help strengthen them moving forward. She's going to be bloody interesting. But the 2024 Super Rugby season, she is rapidly approaching. Like I said, the Rebels, they will be in the mixer and I think they have a pre-season game this weekend. Crazy to think, first weekend of February and there's already blokes out there just running around in the screaming heat absolutely ripping into each other. In terms of New Zealand teams, Friday sees the Landers take on the Moana Pacifica in Queenstown. Really excited to see how Moana go this year. Of course, Tana Umanga at the helm. they got Julian Severe and a couple other decent recruits, so fingers crossed they can be a lot more competitive. Then on Saturday, it sees a couple of our strongest sides head overseas with the Blues taking on Tokyo Sanatori Sungoliath. That'll be an interesting one. It's actually on Sky Sport as well. 4pm kickoff for your set they are though bums on seat stuff I see the Blues they've taken over their top squad as well I think they're there for two weeks so not sure if they roll out the Rolls Royce this week but some key positional battles that are going to play out throughout these trials so keep an eye on that then Sunday morning it's the multiple time defending champs I think it's six off the top of my head the old Cranberry Cruisers the Crusaders taking on Munster in Ireland should be a bloody good game that's a 6am kickoff not many Rob Penny his 
first game at the helm. A lot of changes for the Crusaders. So excited to see how they look. And then in the Arvo, actually 6.30pm at night, you have the Chiefs. Chiefs Mana taking on the Panasonic Wild Knights. Again, a really strong squad being sent over by them. Shooter Stevenson, friend of the show. I think he was the only real admission that jumped out to me. So excited to see how these teams look early doors. Of course, you can't read too much into these preseason games, but it always dishes up a couple opportunities to spot out some bolters and a few people to keep an eye on throughout this year. Bloody good to have footy back on our screen. And speaking of bolters as well, I wanted to highlight a couple people from the New Zealand Super Rugby teams that I think are players to watch out for in this year's competition. They're not guys on debut or anything like that, just blokes that I think could be in for a really strong season and be massive additions to their squad. Lads, I'm excited to see run around in their colours. The first one being for the Spates Soldiers, the boys from the Deep South, the Dirty Dunners, the Landers, and I'm really excited to see how new recruit Jacob Ratamaivuki Nepkins goes for them. Of course, he spent a couple years at the Blues, struggled a bit for game time, few appearances on the wing, but he was stuck behind the likes of Caleb Clark and Mark Talia, so limited opportunities. Coming in off a massive NPC season for Taranaki, where he played both 15 and on the Sting, and I think he's going to be a massive addition to the Highlanders' back three. He's got plenty of razzle, unreal speed, a great skill level, and he's also an elite finisher. There was a try for the Blues, I think it might have been last year or maybe the year before, got high, it was NRL winger type stuff, an unreal finish there. Him alongside Big Jim Tavatavanawa, another great recruit, of course, from Moana, and then Jonah Nariki, let's get freaky on the other wing. They could prove to be quite the handful, and in years gone past, the Landers have kind of been lacking a bit of raz and excitement and flair, finishing power out in that back three. So I think JRK brings a truckload of that. Excited to see how he goes there. For the Crusaders, this one's one that jumps out for me, and it's Cullen Grace. Now, for many years, people have been calling for him to get a crack at the higher level, and now that raises at the helm of the All Blacks, I feel like this year's his year to really push his claim. Of course, he's big, he's powerful, he's skillfully strong, good offloading game, goes really well at set-piece time, he's a strong line-out option, possesses all the attributes, his health hasn't been great over the last couple seasons, a few injuries have hindered him, so fingers crossed he can stay healthy, have a massive Super Rugby campaign alongside your Ethan Blackadders and co. This is really his chance, in my opinion, to push to make that first All Black squad for the Rugby Championship. So excited to see how old CG goes. If your first name's Cullen, I presume named after the great Christian Cullen, hopefully. Footy's just in your DNA. So we'd love to see him have the silver fern on his left tit in the years to come. To the capital we go, and my highlighted player for the Swirls, the Mighty Hurricanes, is Ruben Love. Of course, he's already played rep footy, Mouldy All Blacks. He was in the All Blacks 15 last year. He only played eight minutes of Super Rugby last year, though, with a groin niggle. And Ruben, he's one of those young lads with so much potential and talent. He's got every skill set you could ever want at the back. He's got a great boot, electric on attack, safe as houses under the high ball. He's had a massive off-season with Roger Fabri as well, who looks 
like an interesting bloke, but shit, you can't deny when you look across the athletes that he coaches for his, for their speed work, he certainly knows what he's doing. Dom Young, Jason Saab, two of the flyers in the NRL, they're regulars with him. Then I also understand old Ruben, he lived with Joseph Suali'i over in Sydney as well, spent a month at the Roger Febreze Sprint Academy. He's rocking a hissing six-pack, he looks fit as fuck, and he also took an absolute screamer in the Black Clash the other day, showing he can play cricket as well, Odell Beckham eats your heart out, hits a pretty nice gritty as well, rolled out that celebration a couple times, so I think it's a massive year ahead for Ruben and a Hurricanes team that I think could surprise many people, there's a lot of great individual talent in that roster so I'm excited to see how they go and fingers crossed Ruben can get through healthy play the majority of the tournament wouldn't be surprised if he's staking his claim for an All Black spot come that June series as well heading up to the Chiefs the Mana Men and I really like the look of Cortez Rataman I'm excited to see how he goes this season he's been gun off the Rimu over the last couple years of course Brad Weber he held that nine jersey for so long but now he's over demolishing pastries in Paris and there's a real opening here for him to own that starting role I've been told Xavier Rowe and Triple T they've been looking sharp at training as well but for me Cortez he looks the good strong running game passing game decent box kick pound for pound I've heard he's one of the strongest blokes going round in New Zealand rugby and I think him maybe a Noah Hotham and Cam Roygaard they could be battling it out for the black jersey for many more years to come so excited to see how Cortez goes getting that kind of first 60 minutes each week in some crucial games and in what is a massive position for the Chiefs and then finally of course up to the Blues Auckland and I've highlighted here Zahn Sullivan who I'm not sure is going to be wearing the 10 or the 15 jersey he's in an interesting battle with Stephen Pettifetta of course both of them can play both positions extremely well and they do so regularly for their provinces but Zahn for me whether he's at the back or in his preferred position I believe it is at 10 this kid can play footy and he's certainly one you need to circle each week a massive boot again got a skill set of doom he can run the ball he can tackle he's pretty strong on defense also got a bloody unreal mullet which always gets massive ticks in my books Petafeta he'll probably want to wear that 10 jersey as will the tradie Harry Plummer who could also play 12 so here's hoping 2024 it's a breakout year for Zahn and he can grab whatever role he's given of course no Bodie Barrett for Super Rugby this year so he's going to get a lot of minutes let's hope he can make every post a winner so there's five exciting footballers I think you should keep an eye on maybe this weekend throughout the preseason and also throughout your Super Rugby fizzing to rip in round one she's only about two weeks away now how bloody good and if you want to scratch your footy itch before that as well of course the Six Nations starts this weekend over in the Northern Hemisphere I'm interested to see if that new Netflix doco full contact boosts the popularity of this tournament over here in the Southern Hemisphere haven't actually watched it myself so maybe I'll binge watch that over the next couple of days before this competition gets underway I'm actually already excited for it though I'm not sure if that's because Rugby World Cup you know that rivalry between these sides is really starting to build and we got a bit more exposure to some regular Northern Hemisphere sides but of course no Sexton amongst others for Ireland no Dupont for France he's over giving sevens a crack Farrell he's gone for the English so there's a lot of changes to some of these key sides also one to note as well Ethan Roots who I actually played Harbour Bees with about five or six years back East Coast Bays lad was playing Prem Rugby here in the North Harbour competition not that long ago 
he's made the move over to the north. He was playing for the Exeter Chiefs, I believe, and he's obviously going great guns because he's been called up to the English squad. He's going to wear the red rose, so that is massive. I'll be paying attention to their team sheets each week to see if old Rootsy gets a crack, and if he does, then hopefully he goes well. Bloody good to see some of these lads. You know, he was in the Crusaders environment, didn't get many opportunities, of course, played NPC for a couple years, but he's clearly made every post a winner over there. So bloody good on him. Saturday morning is the first game. France take on Ireland in Paris. Then Sunday, you get the 3.15am, 5.45am doubleheader. Italy taking on England. Interested to see how England look. Marcus Smith, I believe he's going to be out as well, so she's pretty new look. And then after that, Wales, they'll host Scotland. I'm all in on Scotland. Love me some Finn Russell. Wales under Gatlin now for a bit of a longer period. They really punched above expectations in the Rugby World Cup. Excited for this competition. I'm going to back the Scots to take it out, but that is pure heart. I'll touch more on that shortly, though, in the old TAB betting segment. Right, weekly wrap time now and a couple things to tick off that I just wanted to bring to attention from across multiple codes really. Shout out to the Black Caps, they've been going great guns this summer, really cleaned up Pakistan in that T20 and now they set their eyes on Test Cricket. But before that, shout out to Finn Allen who of course, 137 of the best, just blasting sixes. He was seeing nut out of the middle of Remu, left, right and centre. What a display from him and for me, he gives us that Brendan McCullum type ability at the top of the order. If he's on, firing on all cylinders, he gives us the opportunity to beat anyone on any day. Excited for those T20s coming up against Australia too. I think it's Friday the 23rd. There's one at Eden Park. Then the Wars they play Redcliffe at Go Media the next day. Then it's back to Eden Park on the Sunday for another T20 against the Aussies. What a weekend of sporting action that'll be up here in Auckland. But shout out to the Caps. Fingers crossed they go well against South Africa in this Test Series too. She kicks off on Sunday, I believe, and they've sent over their C team, which makes me bloody nervous. A, it's disrespectful, but also now all expectation is on us. Everyone expects us to clean up this test series and bank some World Test Championship points, but these are the series where we tend to splutter in the past, ones we're really expected to win, so fingers crossed we can dominate and send the South Africans home with the tail between their legs. Get up the mighty caps. And the NFL, of course, the Super Bowl that is fast approaching and the stage is set now the two teams that will play it out have been decided both conference finals went down on the weekend with Kansas City proving too good for the Ravens and what was a bit of an upset of course Patty Mahomes you never bet against him but the Ravens they've been the hot team throughout this competition shit did young Patrick show up though backed well by his support cast and his defense and of course number 87 is boy Travis Kelsey 17-10 they they got the dub in a game where to be fair the Ravens didn't really show up I thought Lamar he was quite up and down but overall it was their own ill discipline that really cost them at times too there's a bit of niggle pre-game Justin Tucker he was warming up the kicker down in the Chiefs end Kelsey and Mahomes they didn't like that tossed his equipment away then there was a bit of push and shove at the coin toss as well so maybe they got a bit carried up absorbed in that a bit too invested they were giving away stupid flags and opportunities for first down or if you dish that up to Mahomes he'll take them every day of the week so he did what he did best and booked his ticket into his fourth Super Bowl in the last five years what a player he is then in the second game the Lions unfortunately they became the fourth team in 
history, I believe, to lose a finals game having been up by 17 points or more at halftime. It looked like the stage was set for the perfect fairy tale. Of course, Detroit, they'd become everyone's second favourite team. Eminem, he was given it the big ones. It was a real rags-to-riches type of story. But in the end, the 49ers were just too good. They're up 24-7 at Oranges. Then the second half, it well and truly turned, and the home fans really got behind San Fran. 34 points to 31, she finished. Got to say, shout out to Brock Purdy. He was unreal in the second half, as was Christian McCaffrey, as he's been all year. There were two big momentum swings in this game for me. That catch that Ayuk made off the Lions defender's helmet, which then led to a touchdown. Pretty unfortunate stuff for Detroit. You could argue that probably should have been picked. Then it goes on to hit his helmet, pop up for the Niners wide receiver, and then they score in one of the next two plays. That really crushed you. And then straight after that, Lions running back comes out, fumbles on the very next drive. It was recovered by the Niners and ran in for another TD by McCaffrey. The home crowd, they were full of fizz then, up off their seats and really getting behind their team. From there on out, it was all over in a quality side like the 49ers. They don't lose once they take back that stronghold. So the Super Bowl for me, she's going to be huge. There's, of course, there's a break this week. Then they're back in the mixer the Monday after. Pretty contrasting quarterbacks. Mahomes, he's on a 450-odd million dollar deal. Then you've got Brock Purdy. I think he's on under $3 million contract. So a big pay contrast there. Add to that, you got the T-Swift factor and the much debate and analysis going on there. Of course, there was a chance they thought that she wouldn't be there on tour in Japan for her concert. Appears it's worked out. She's going to be able to get a private jet there, land in Vegas that morning and be at the game. So if you're like me and you're a bit sick of seeing her pop up on your TV screens every time Kansas City or Kelsey make a play, then it could be a bloody long arvo. I did notice though, I think it was Bleacher Report who posted, she's bought in an estimated 330 million US dollars in extra revenue to both the NFL and to the Chiefs through her fan base and attracting them into football. So, shit, if I was the owner of Kansas City or the GM of the NFL, I'll be flying her here, there and everywhere. Wherever Swifty wanted to go, I'd be making sure it happened. So no doubt she'll be in Vegas. But we'll touch more on that game next week as we really start to ramp up preparations for that one. And then sticking with American Sport to round out the old weekly wrap, just wanted to highlight a couple massive achievements that went down over the last week. We had Embiid and Doncic both drop over 70 points. I believe only six players in the NBA's history had done it before this year. Two of them do it in the same week. Crazy stuff. Then we also had Carl Anthony Towns drop over 60 in a loss, which was tough to swallow, but some crazy numbers being put up. Interesting note on Embiid. I believe he's now in danger as well of missing out being eligible for the MVP which is pretty crazy of course won it last year looking to go back to back this year you could say this year he's been a lot more unanimous in terms of how I think he would win it he's been extremely convincing but they've introduced a 65 game minimum to be eligible for MVP and also your all NBA team so Embiid he's already missed a fair few and he can only miss four or five I believe it is of the remaining games in the second half of the season going forward and order to be eligible to win it so this could well be the most impressive season by an NBA player to never win an MVP so keep an eye on that old Joely Embiid he's gonna have to lace up and hopefully keep that rig in a healthier condition 
if he wants to win that MVP. Shit, does he deserve it? But makes it interesting for betting as well. Maybe your Shays, they could come through and steal it right from under our eyes, so keep an eye on that. And then shout out as well to LeBron James, broke the record being announced for his 20th NBA All-Star game. Overtook Kareem, who had 19, once he was named Captain of the West again for the 2024 game. Interesting to note as well, also the first time in 13 years a healthy Steph Curry hasn't been named at point guard with Luca and Shea getting the nod over him and fair enough too. Looks like the first time in his career that Steph will be coming off the bench for an all-star game which is pretty crazy. Starters they're made up of a 50% fan vote, 25% media and then 25% players vote. Curry, he was coming second in the polling from the fan voting through till the final ballot but then it must have been the players and the media votes that really hurt him. He hasn't been as consistent as he has been in the past. Golden State, they've been struggling, of course, with all the Draymond drama and whatnot. So Steph, have no doubts he'll make his way onto the bench, but thought that was a bloody interesting fact there and can't wait for that all-star game she's stacked. It's turned into a bit of a layup line, to be fair. I'd like to see them introduce a few changes, mix it up, maybe even, and I think this is the perfect time to do it, a USA versus a world team. I think that would be interesting as when you look at Europe, you've got guys like Giannis, Joker, Luka Doncic, Shea, he's Canadian, so he'd be in that world team too. They're absolutely stacked. Taking on a USA team, America, they always say they're the best at ball. There'd be so much pride on the line and guys protecting their egos and reputations. So I think then we'd see a really quality game and that's how you could spruce things up. Interesting to see what they do this year though. I noticed Steph Curry, he's in the three-point competition taking on the best shooter in the WNBA, which is happening for the first time in history. So they're certainly not afraid to innovate and let's see what they do with the All-Star game moving forward as well. Right, time to talk some punting now, and of course, historically, I do my best in your NRLs and whatnot, which of course, there's nothing in the mixer for this week, but there's still plenty of great sporting action, so I thought I'd quickly cast the eye over a few of the markets and point out a few bets that'll be appearing on my bet slip, of course, courtesy of the TAB over the weekend ahead. Mentioned before, Six Nations gets underway, Ireland, they are underdogs against France, games in Paris, so that is fair enough too. I like France to get that one. They're $1.57, so I'll back them head-to-head there. Then, for your Italy-England game, you got to back England. Of course, Italy, they were so disappointing at the last World Cup. Made a few changes, new coach and whatnot, but I still expect this English side to be too good. I do think it could be a little bit closer, though, than what people are expecting. Then, in terms of Wales-Scotland for your head-to-head, I'm going to back Scotland again. She could be a heart bet. Wales at home, but I think they're such a quality football side in and, Finn. And Russell we trust. If you wanted to multi that up, just straight up on the nose head to head France into England and Scotland. For a little Six Nations flutter, that'll pay $3.05 of the best. Then if you want to get a little more Ivan Leary, chuck it into a multi and try make it a bit more lucrative. I like for your winning team in margin, France 1-12 to to beat Ireland in a tough one at home at $2.70. Then I've gone Scotland on the point start, which is only minus 1.5 to get a tight 
win by more than that they will cover against Wales and then I've actually gone Italy on the point start as well of plus 17 and a half like I said I think England will be too good but I don't think it'll be a hiding a lot of changes for the Red Roses so if you chuck those all together three leg multi that pays 9.49 of the best for your six nations footy speaking of footy skipping ahead to the old soccer football of course the world's most popular game and there's some massive fixtures going down this weekend so that's where I'll turn my attention you got Arsenal taking on Liverpool top of the table shootout that is going to be good stuff if you know me you know I'm you'll never walk alone through and through of course Klopp he's announced he's done at the end of the year the boys want to send them off as champions so I'm going to back them head to head they actually come in the underdogs they're paying three dollars and ten cents on the road Get up the lads. The other games I like the look of, of course, you've got to back Man City to get the dub over Brentford. $1.33 favourite, so reasonably short, but you'd have to think that that's a pretty good shout. Man United up against West Ham. I like West Ham here with the West Ham to win or draw double chance option. You can find that in the in-game options. That's paying two bucks, of course. West Ham going great guns this year. United, they've been patchy. Maybe they pull off the upset on the road and get the dub. I was interested to see United their favourites. If not, you pray for the draw. Two bucks. Love me a bit of that. A great multi-boosted option as well. And then for the final football game I've highlighted, and remember there is that football mega multi-buster promo where if you multi-up four games but you miss your multi by one leg so only one of the four doesn't come through, you'll get your money back as a bonus bet up to 50 bucks. Had to go local. Back the mighty Wellington Phoenix who of course are sitting atop of the ladder at the moment and bloody well done to them. They head over to Brizzy to hopefully get busy and come away with the win. Again I've gone the double chance option here of the Phoenix to win or the draw. $1.53 there. Like I said we're in first, they're in ninth. We played them once this year earlier on albeit at home but we pumped them 5-2 so fingers crossed the boys can replicate something similar like that. Four leg multi, $12.61 of the best. Yes, please. And then also wanted to take a quick look at the Super Bowl, of course. Pretty far out at the moment, but the options go up early and there's always some doozies to get in the mix of the boost, the power plays, etc. They are all still to come. But if you're like me and you just like having a look at a couple futures markets, then this one's for you. In terms of head-to-head, and I think there's some real value here, Kansas City, they're going in at $1.97 underdogs at the moment with San Fran, the favourites, at $1.75. I'm all over KC. I've learnt my lesson last week. Never bet against my homes. I got that big game experience and I think Paddy Kelsey and that defense is going to be too strong Chuck Pacheco in the mix as well and they're actually pretty impressive I made the mistake of underestimating them writing them off earlier in the season but now I think they're going to flip that round and actually win the damn thing so I'll be jumping on them head to head there's also an early boost I like and that's Paddy Mahomes to win the MVP of the Super Bowl if KC win I think he gets it barring of course like a Travis Kelsey saying this is his last Last game he's going to retire and then he has the game of his life. I think the young quarterback, arguably one of the greatest to ever do it, tossed the old pigskin. I think he wins it. That's been boosted up to $2.50. Not a bad shout there. Then I also like the point start market. Again, KC, they're the underdog so they get a plus one and a half point start at $1.87. I'll be snapping that up too. I think those are three great options to get in early on too. I expect that $1.97 head to head 
head from Kansas City. That is going to get crunched in closer to kickoff. So secure it on your slips now, if you're like me and you're that way inclined. In terms of my bet of the week, though, I'm going to give out a bet of the week and a multi of the week each week. My bet of the week this week comes from your Six Nations footy. I'm all in on Scotland. I'm backing them in to pull off the big win here on the road and kick off their tournament with a hiss and a roar head to head chuck them in the mixer and then for the multi of the week of course had to go Scotland to win then I've gone Man City to win over Brentford should be too strong and then I'm also going to look ahead to the NBA chuck one leg in the mixer there odds aren't up for Friday's games yet but you got the Celtics taking on the Lakers the Knicks taking on the Pacers Grizzlies taking on the Cavs and the Jazz taking on the Sixers Jazz they're a hot team at the moment Celtics Lakers that's one where you'd expect the Celtics to be too strong but you just never know with LA coming in fresh off a blowout as well Grizzlies Cavs that looks to be the safest option for me I'm going to pick the Cavs in at whatever odds the TAB dish up there to get me a nice little three leg multi to ride home over the weekend so shout out to the TAB remember they're the home of sport and racing punting here in New Zealand you're not already a customer download the app sign yourself up and never fear of course the surly boosts and whatnot will be back once the NRL season gets underway also going to have some exclusive promo codes and giveaways good things like that for surly listeners who are TAB customers so get yourself in the mixer you won't regret it and always gamble responsibly right that's us for the first episode of STS hope you enjoyed it shout out to all of you for tuning in really appreciate your ears and of course I'll be back here next week to run it back and do the same thing gonna cast the eye over the NRL kind of give my layout of the land and where I see things going down have your latest news and talking points across all sports and really start to build up the hype towards that Super Bowl as well we have the Holberg Awards next week so I might even do a little Surly Awards chuck some nominees up on the stories and see who you the listeners at home think should be taking out this prestigious awards hopefully the Wars get themselves up there shake a few hands and get a bit of silverware bloody well deserved but go well have a great weekend enjoy all the sporting action on display and i'll catch you back here same time same place next week how good